Hi, welcome to another episode of Ask the Goddamn DM. My name is Patrick, the Goddamn DM Tracy, and joining me as always is Tony. I subscribe to Gnome Living Magazine, Paisano. Uh, I mean, how do you know my magazine subscriptions? This this is Gnome to me. <laughs> I drink and I gnome things. Yes. <laughs> Off of the gnome puns, we have a question today. That's going to be our episode. Oh. Up until the mid-roll where we do another question. But not to take away from one of our longtime listeners for all 11 episodes we have at the time of this recording, Matt at MadBatter697, thank you for writing in, writes, first, thank you at the Goddamn DM podcast. It's fun and I don't miss an episode. Aww. Aww. I do have a question. My brother-in-law is a fantastic DM. It runs an amazing campaign. He never gets to play, though. I've toyed with the idea of trying to DM a run so that way he can play. How do you deal with running a group when there's at least one former DM who knows the rules backwards and forwards? Any tips with dealing with that? Ooh, DMing for a DM. Yes. It always feels like such a daunting task because it's kind of like driving with your dad. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not sure if your dad does this, but like anytime I drive with my dad, he's like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down up here. It's like, it's 45 and I'm doing 30. Like, <laughs> that's, that's my mom. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter how like well I'm doing. There's always like, no, I know, but it's not me doing it. So like, you know, they're used to driving the car. Right. Yeah. My dad runs red lights. I, my mom is the, the cautious one. <laughs> See, my, my dad drives well, but anytime that I drive, even if I'm doing exactly what he does. Still not good enough. Still not good enough. Yeah. And it's not like I'm a disappointing you thing. It's uh, I'm about to have a panic attack because I'm not in control of the wheel, and I don't think that you can dodge whatever's coming up. <laughs> it's a power struggle. It's, it's a panic attack thing, like, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think that he's just a stressor, especially okay. when it comes to driving, something that he's done all his life professionally. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, like, it's like baking for a baker. Oh, or gotcha. DMing for a DM. Right. Ha-ha. Full circle. DMing for a DM... Feels daunting, but it can always be solved with a little bit of conversation before. Uh, one of the tips that I gave in the message when I wrote back to him, because I always like to give a short answer when you ask questions back, like as a, hey, we'll get to this. But if you don't want to wait a month, here's like a quick answer. Uh, one of the quick answers that I gave was uh, have a question beforehand and let them in on the creative process and see if they can offer you insight on the game. Tony, when you went to DM for your first game, you came to me and asked me for tips, even though I wasn't a part of the game. And you were asking, like, oh, how can I fit this storyline in? What do I do here? What do I do at a challenge rating? Am I going to kill my players as this creature? And I said yes. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I went, I used my resources, right? So even though you're DMing for this particular person who happens to be a DM, there's still a resource and you, you don't want to show your full hand because you want them to have an organic, natural experience. Absolutely. But I feel like you can still give them vague, generic clues as to what you're trying to do in a sense where they can give you tips and tricks without them ruining the experience for themselves. Yeah. I and mean, any, any DM worth their salt will be able to take your vague clues and give you kind of a vague answer that lets you play around a bit. A question that you can come to your DM with is, I want to get you guys in a cave. And it's like, why are you guys in a cave? And the DM could fire back where it's like, well, maybe it's a shortcut or we're there to get an item. And that gives enough vagueness both ways to be like, I'm not telling you what I want to do in the cave when the party's in the cave. And the DM's response gives you like, Here's a general idea, but, like, where it goes from there is up to you. 
Right. You're not going to get every detail ironed out, but they still have insight that will at least lead you in the right direction as long as you keep it vague. Yeah. And it's, again, like driving with dad from that analogy is like another DM should help you make your game better. Like whether it's a they're giving you examples to work off of or, you know, they set the foundation for you. Like uh, the DMs that I've had in the past have helped me become a better DM, even with one shots, even with, you know, little games here and there, like little campaigns, because they'll either show me like, oh, I never thought of doing something that way. Like when I did uh, the Channel Greyhawk guest spot. Uh, Shane is a wonderful, wonderful voice actor, and he likes to get into characters, and a lot of his things that he does is, like, body positioning, where it's like if he's a dragon, like, he'll throw his arms up high and, like, make himself seem, like, physically larger at the table and really draws you into that experience. And if he's someone, like, small and coy, like, he'll lean into the camera and speak a little softer and stuff like that. And he does all these little tricks where it's like, wow, like, that's something I want to take to my game. And I'm not sure if you notice it, but I try and do it subtly. Like when I play Basto or someone like that, I always have like the little politician point with the thumb right. instead of the finger. <laughs> where like I'll change that up when I'm talking to players and then I'll do like a normal point when I'm the DM. Just little things like that where it's like the body language thing was something I learned as a DM watching another DM. Yeah, and that's something that like voice actors in Hollywood absolutely do. I mean, if you see some of the like some of the greats when it comes to voice acting, I'll just throw a name out there. Uh, Mark Hamill as the Joker for the Batman animated series, if you ever watch behind-the-scenes footage of him recording the Joker's voice, he is a full-body actor. Even when it's just his voice that he's recording, he is still absolutely physically getting into the character. And there's a lot to be said about your physicality changing the tonality of your voice and adding that little extra something. Absolutely. Um, The second tip that I gave, and this is something that most DMs understand like right off the bat, but... If they need to have this conversation, uh, let them know that your game will probably run differently. You know, uh, I know that people always talk about the Matt Mercer effect that's happening with Dungeons & Dragons right now, where it's like, if you get a new player, they're kind of, it's likely that they're going to base their experience off what they saw and that got them into Dungeons & Dragons and what they saw was Critical Role. And so it's like, oh, like everything's got to be like a Matt Mercer game. And like, as you would to a new player... For even a veteran DM, you might need to explain as a new DM where it's, hey, I know the way that you run your game, but our game's going to go a different direction. Like, I know you go strict sword and board and it's all survival, but we want to do a high fantasy setting that has us in a sky city and everyone travels via grappling hooks and cables that are around city like yeah. bioshock infinite and i feel that'd be amazing by the way That's we should absolutely a great campaign setting we should absolutely do that anyways um <laughs> i feel like that's something that needs to be reiterated is that every dm has their own individual style do not try to mimic another dm's style because the only way that you're going to be a good dm a good storyteller is if you write what you know you do what you know so don't feel the pressure to try to mimic someone even if they're a DM that are playing in your campaign, make your own campaign. Find your own individualism, and it will shine through the storytelling. And to build off of that, borrow and steal until it becomes yours. <laughs> like, seriously, though, like uh, a lot of the, if you were to break down my DM style from a storyteller standpoint, like if you like did the the Pandora of DMs right now and put me in like the the Dungeon Master Genome Project. Right. <laughs> I'm one part critical hit 
uh-huh. from major spoilers, I am one part Michael Bay. <laughs> I'm a little Tarantino. Yeah. And I'm a bit Saturday morning cartoon. You throw that all together. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's me as a DM. It's like, here you go. Like, this is what made Patrick. So what you're saying is you're the adult swim of D&D. Exactly. Yeah. I am the super troopers of D&D. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm broken lizard. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's that where it's like, you know, I found inspiration throughout the community and from other DMs that I learned from. And it's, you know, with Critical Hit being a great example of like, wow, I really like what you did with the skill challenge system. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to make it my own. And, you know, Rodrigo Lopez does a wonderful job at storytelling that I don't think that we can ever compare to. <laughs> Well, because it's a specific style. Like, I think the thing that you said that was the key element to the reference you just made was you only copy and mimic things that you like, things that you're interested in. Because if you try to mimic or if you try to copy things that you're not strong at or that you don't necessarily enjoy, it's going to come through in the game. Like like me with voice acting. Like, I'm a horrible person with voice acting. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I actually enjoy the whole actor part of it. So, like, in the game that I DM'd, the one game that I DM'd, uh, I use a lot of voices and stuff like that because I, I, that's what I like to do. It's fun. Final point before the mid-roll, to throw it all in, because sometimes the dungeon master and going back to the dad in the car analogy... You know, my dad wants to give tips, and the big thing that he was always doing is like, slow down, speed up, like, take a turn here, yeah, turn on your blinker, why aren't you turning on your blinker, good God, stop, please, son, what are you doing? <laughs> See if you, if they're willing to work as a stumped card, or like as a secondary referee. So, if a player throws something at the new DM, where it's like, oh, like, I want to do, I want to run off the building and land on my horse, and then use the horse to gap away, it's like... What role do you roll for that? And you can look to your seasoned DM and be like, how would you run that? And you could say like, oh, I do like an athletics check and like maybe write down on a note card like DC like 20 and slide it to the new DM. And it's like, oh, perfect. Like I have my own like D&D Google, you know, or it's like I have a secondary person that's more experienced at making these improv calls that can help me with it. And then that comes with like a little ties and balance thing because, you know, me as a dad DM where it's like I want to help other little DMs out, like that's the whole reason why we do this show, is I would, you know, want to do it in a way that's not interfering. However, there are some DMs out there that as soon as you would go like, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that thing, and the DM goes, oh, yeah, roll an uh, acrobatics check because you're Dexy. The seasoned DM might be like, oh, pfft, no, wrong. Right, right, right. You're wrong. Yeah, so it's kind of a, it's a collaboration. I mean, I understand that you're trying to do this specifically so your friend can actually play and enjoy the game rather than DMing it, but if they've DMed for so long, then they're probably already, like, analyzing, even in an involuntary manner, analyzing the choices that you make and the decisions that you make. So if there's a decision that you're not necessarily comfortable with, then I feel like it would be okay for you to ask for assistance without completely breaking their immersion. I feel like they're already kind of in that mindset. You know, me as a filmmaker watching a film, there's always that voice in the back of my head that sees it as a filmmaker and not necessarily as an audience member, as a viewer. So if somebody were to reach out to me and ask to critically analyze a film of some kind, then there's always going to be that voice in the back of my head that can answer that without me breaking the immersion or breaking the experience. And I, I, uh, I feel like that's okay to ask. Like, don't overdo it. Like, still have confidence in your decisions. But if there's something that you're not necessarily strong at, then, yeah, ask for resources until you get strong at it. 
and then that transition's complete. You know, I feel like they can respect at least your attempt to try to give them that experience. And that's one of the best things that you're doing with that is that you're basically, when you offer to DM for a DM, that's like giving a gift. And very rarely will a DM look at that gift and go, nah, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, or like, oh, like this gift sucks. It's kind of like getting a free vacation from DMing for a bit. And so even if it's not the greatest vacation, it's like, cool, this is great. You know, and they might, it would behoove them as a dungeon master if they aren't satisfied with the experience, maybe to help you improve it. So that way they get to do it more often. They don't want to discourage you and be like, no, this sucks. Boo. And then all of a sudden now they're the permanent DM. Right. Yeah. No, it's obviously, it's not just your responsibility. Like it's also kind of them. I, I know it's kind of a, it's kind of a bad way of looking at it, but I know you're trying to give them a break and rest and relaxation, but it's also kind of on them to accept that gift and do it graciously. No, that sounds like a, that sounds like a good spot. Thank you, Matt, for listening to the show. And uh, we'll hit a mid-roll and we're going to come back and tell you about Jump On Points. Jump on it. I jump, jump on, on it. it. We, we can't, can't sing any more of that song. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, okay. Mid-roll, please. Yeah. Mid-roll, please. And welcome to the Mid-Roll. I'm still Patrick. And I'm still Tony. And today we're talking about a time-sensitive matter. So if you're listening to this way off in the future, anytime past June 2019, you can skip. Right. But for those of us listening in real time, we are doing a charity Twitch stream where Tony and I will be gaming for 24 hours with the Dungeons & Dragons game. Yeah, 24-hour D&D campaign. This is going to be tough but I think we could do it. We've got a lineup of about 20 guests getting ready in the works. They're going to help us on a two-hour, one-shot, continuous session for them where Tony is playing a character who's basically slipping through time and space and dimensions and such. Yeah, if you're uh, old enough, it's Quantum Leap, essentially. <laughs> if you remember Quantum Leap, it is absolutely a Quantum Leap bloodletter. And we're doing it for charity. That's right. We're doing it for extra life, helping the kids out uh, specifically for phoenix children's hospital it's a great cause you should totally check us out at twitch.tv slash fantasy banjo and if you're listening to it in the future maybe you should check that out anyways watch us play some some video games i'll probably still be playing enter the gungeon because i doubt i will ever beat that game <laughs> specifically uh it's gonna be june 29th starting at 8 a.m to june 30th ending at 8 a.m pacific standard time pacific standard time yes we live in arizona Yep, so we are following that for the time being until we do our own thing and follow Mountain instead. Oh, right, because daylight savings time isn't a thing here. Nope, it's make-believe. It's fake news. <laughs> Let's get back to the show. Alrighty, so we had to dig through the goddamn DM time vault. 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 We're like Disney now? Uh, no, I had a really old question. I was looking through my inboxes that I, I found one that is a great part about jumping on points. Uh, this comes from someone who I'm not even sure if it was on Twitter anymore. Oh, okay. So it's that old, huh? Yep. Well, to tell you how old it is, their screen name is Miles77168657. If you, you know, it sounds like I'm calling a ticket number at like a, like a, a convention DM, or, a DMV something like or something. Yeah. But Miles wrote in before and said, uh, I have a two-parter game with six players who killed the bridge between parts one and two and also two more players wanting to join now. 
Any tips? Oh, that's a pickle. We're going to ignore the first half of six players killed the bridge between the two parts. That That's a whole other can of worms. You know, we'll have that on the episode. It's don't tell mom the NPC is dead. <laughs> Let's focus on the later half of that, which was they have two more players wanting to join in, and it's clearly a campaign that's in session. Some tips on jumping on points. Uh, one of the easiest ones, and it's a thing that is used on television all the time, and that is a time skip. You just skip forward three months, six months, one year, 20 years, 100 years, whatever it makes sense for the party to still remain the party, but also have the ability for some other people to sneak in. Yeah, I guess it depends on what race they're playing, right? Because not all races age the same way. Yeah, so like if they're playing like a party full of humans, you might not want to do 20 years because then it's like, oh, cool, that guy I was playing that was 40, well, he's 60 now. Thanks. I'm, I'm ineffective in battle. <laughs> hey, man. I think, uh, you know, as long as you stay healthy and you keep fit, I think 60-year-olds can, can whoop some butt. But then it comes to the argument of, like, well, why haven't I leveled in 20 years? Right, right, fair. <laughs> you just stopped fighting for 20 years. You went on a hiatus. Oh, here I go killing again. <laughs> it's like a history of violence. Yeah, so it's always a delicate balance, but it's totally one that you do for a suspension of disbelief where it's, hey, like we beat the big bad, man, it took us a month to get back into town, and now there's a new situation in town that involves these two new players. There's also some other things that you can do um, that are really easy too. Uh, recruits is always a hard one to pull off, I feel, but when done right, it can work well. Like when someone's new to the group, and they're pretty much enlisted. Uh, it worked really well for Murmur. Oh, yeah, because I got uh, conscripted. Yep, and you, thankfully, you as a player offered up a lot of control to Robert, who was like your CO in that situation. With you, it worked well because you understood the narrative of like, this will pay off if I do this. Some players create the, my name is Thoraxian Paler, and I don't listen to anyone, and I'm a rebel in the edge, and you can find me in the corner, (laughs) just, you know, just sitting there in the corner like, "Mm, I'm mean and brooding. Yeah, I mean, the reason why it worked was because I, like, understand narrative and I didn't want to, like, step on anybody's toes. And ultimately, it actually worked on a narrative standpoint because at that point, Murmur really didn't care. So he was fine with somebody else, like, taking command and giving the direction. Even though he didn't really want to be there, it was still, like, uh, he wasn't about to take control of everything because he was begrudgingly following orders in the first place. He was trying to get away rather than you know, take the spotlight from the obvious leader of the group. Exactly. And it works well for people that understand, like, if I do this, it'll pay off. So people that have a long-term game, recruits also work really well for children. Not to say, like, you're childlike. Right. <laughs> I mean, I am in nature. You know, it works great with a kid where it's like, hey, I want to play a game. And, you know, if they're like 10 and they're going to need direction anyways, it's like, well, you know, dad is, you know, your sergeant and your uh, recruit and so he kind of gets to direct you where to go, but you get to choose what goes on. And for a kid, that's like, perfect, cool. I get to play the game with the adults. I'm great with that. Also, a uh, fantastic parenting technique, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, it works. Because then you could use it outside of the game, too. Drop and give me 1D20 push-ups. <laughs> Take this with a grain of salt. You're talking to two people who do not have children. The last one that I feel works the best, especially if you can do it narratively well, is crossed paths. Like a crossover episode that becomes the main thing. Uh, She-Ra did it in their latest Netflix cartoon where you had Adora pretty much running through the forest and finding a sword and then meeting Bo and Glimmer and then they were opposed, but now they're allies. That's one of the greatest examples I have and I've been watching She-Ra lately and it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, using a more like a uh, 
renowned pop culture reference, uh, Avengers Infinity War, you know, like all the heroes coming together, all coming for the same goal, uh, crossing paths, uh, first maybe having some, you know, some aversions to one another, maybe a little bit of drama there, but eventually they come together and like all aim towards the same enemy. Exactly. And the two ways to do that are either A, you can have like a small pre-session with the two players that are new to the campaign and maybe like set up their establishing story. So that can be a session zero or you can play it out or B, let them know all that stuff, let them go into that session. And then the primary party or the core party has a goal that's aligned with those two where it's like, oh, well, we need to get across the ocean and go to the northern continent. And these two are like, oh, well, we happen to be privateers. Right, yeah, and you don't have to do like an info dump. Like don't think of that don't think of it that way. Like you can have the two joining members give their backstory organically throughout the session, but ultimately they they're going to be trying to achieve the same goal. So smiles if you're out there. Uh, I answered your question years ago, but here <laughs> here you go. Now it's on a podcast. Don't don't ever say I didn't do anything for you. <laughs> Twice over. <laughs> <laughs> I think that about wraps us up for today. Uh, Tony, anything to plug at the end? Um, other than our charity event, n- no, man. I mean, we're just we're still on Almost Heroic together. We're, st- we're still doing the Fantasy Banjo Twitch stream, so check us out. Also, check out our Discord, which is going to be in the show notes. Uh, come hang out, talk a D&D, talk gaming, just hang out with the community. We have a, a pretty good group of a lot of really cool people. Yes, and above all, ask questions and make friends. But also ask questions. Like we can <laughs> we can definitely use more questions. So that way I don't end up finding one from two years ago and going, oh! Uh, fantasybanjo.com slash ask. Yes, that's where you can ask those questions. Or we're even taking some in the Discord. Maybe we'll even make our own little channel for it. Uh, I've seen some questions come up for it. So that's a good incentive to come join us. Chat. Chat with people from the shows. Chat with people that like the shows. Chat with strangers we met online. Make friends? Make friends. Isn't that isn't that what this is all about? Just making friends and telling stories. I mean, this specifically is about learning D and D. D and D in itself is about right, right, right. meeting people and <laughs> yeah. making friends. Stop with the semantics and adventure. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end the podcast now. No, I bet you won't find the button this time though. No, I mean I'll find I can, it. I can go as off rails as Pat, I want. Pat, I will find the button. Welcome from I'll, the no, world stop of it. tomorrow. Stop it! Stop today. it! No, oh, stop. Oh, yeah, I found it. Found it. Found it.